because we are all about stories. All about stories. We are the podcast of stories. And welcome to another edition of the Green Jet Ski Podcast. Why? Because the color green is associated with Loki. Jet skis because they're cool and Mobius likes to ride them. And because Callie and I, my co-host, Callie Logan, CallieLogan.com, we love all things Loki. It's just, it's that simple. We're not always talking about Loki, but you got to come up with a quirky name, something that catches, right, Callie? Oh, it's unique and we love it. So Exactly. Unique like yourself. And by the way, people can find you. I'd be remiss if I did not mention CallieLogan.com. And there they can find out so much about you. You're making great moves and strives. Uh, you were just on the 700 Club Interactive, which is really cool. Propel Women and so much more. They can follow your adventures there and also get your new book that you have coming out. Tell us about it. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Wallflower That Bloomed. So it'll be out May 1st, 2024. Uh, pre-order probably will start here in the next probably six weeks. So definitely we'll be keeping everyone posted with that. Quite excited. So that is about, it's kind of like our podcast. It's all about being unique and wonderfully original. So Got to be authentic to yourself. Also check out Hang In There Girl. That's also there at the website too. Yes, sir. Well, let's get into, I'm so excited. We got limited time on this because we have a guest coming up here in just uh, just a few minutes. Uh, hopefully he joins us. But you and I are diving back into Loki because I had heard about these personality profiles, Myers-Briggs. There's another one that we're talking about today, very similar, uh, which is 16 personalities. People can check it out, 16personalities.com. It's free. It, you know, People are, I always thought it was maybe like a horoscope. Yeah, there, there's not much there. There, this is so stinking accurate, it's not even funny because it really asks you this particular one, as does Myers Briggs, a lot of these really in depth questions to know what's going on inside you, how your mind works, how you are made up emotionally. And then it comes up with this personality profile, which is, I thought, okay, there'll be some similarities. Callie, it, the one that I took from 16personalities.com which you had me do was spot on. It's amazing. It's insane. It's outrageously insane how accurate it is. I first heard about it. Uh, so I was a psych minor in college. And so I guess we're looking 13 years ago, I first took the test and yeah. I, I became honestly just kind of obsessed with it because I felt so seen and understood. And I think that's, isn't that, you know, one of the most innate human desires to feel understood, to feel seen, to feel known. And then you see this book and it's it's so much deeper than, oh, I was born on this month or at this time of day, because it's really looking at your personality and the yeah. facets of who you are. But it's another neat thing to see how that can evolve over time. And I think, you know, we're talking about Loki. And I think looking at that, uh, we kind of see where he evolves over time. And I think I am curious if his personality test would change over time as well. And so that's kind of where we brought that for the table today, because I was telling Noah, I remember reading, this was around the time Avengers came out, that Loki was an INFJ, kind yep. of the glorious purpose. And if you aren't familiar with Myers-Briggs, I'll just do a quick 30 second. It's the I or an E, so introvert or extrovert, is we're going to top layer. Then are you um, intuitive or, or are you sensing, right? Are you a feeler or are you a thinker? And lastly, judging or perceiving. Now, that's not meaning that you are a judgmental person. 
It's more of like, how, how do you go about figuring out things? Um, so looking at Loki, but you know, I had a great conversation with a gal last night who is also obsessed with Myers-Briggs and 16 personalities. And she was saying that she feels over time, Loki actually kind of develops into his counterpart, which is the, uh, ENTP and kind of has that opportunity to kind of swap over. And I mentioned to her, I thought, you know, that's funny because there are so many variants. So you almost mm-hmm. wonder with the Which is interesting. Cause it, him, yeah, because we're talking about variants in Loki. So it's very interesting. Yeah. So thinking about the idea, are his variants all INFJs? Or is there, you know, because the variants aren't clones, there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Would they yeah, was, have different personalities? I was looking at the 16personalities.com one that I took and that you, you know, that you're very familiar with. Which is based off of Myers Briggs, but it's uh, it's just based off the model, and they add some some additional information there. I just want to be clear on that. But according to the Sixteen Personalities site, uh, Loki is a turbulent entrepreneur, which is an ESTP dash T. Oh, okay. So that's that's close to Michaela's theory of the ENTP evolution. Yeah. So, uh, so, and, and I think that you can have characters because, you, again, you take Loki from right when he takes the Tesseract and the Avengers and kind of becomes the variant, goes off into Loki season one. I mean, there's a, a lot of evolution with the character, which I think means at his core, he has personality traits deep within him that haven't really seen the light of day yet. And because he's meeting new people and having new experiences I think it's possible to lean more heavily into another direction of another personality type. Oh, for sure. Well, and the neat thing about the test, too, is it kind of evolves over time. I, When I took it when I was in college, I was an INFJ, um, and that was more where I was in college. So I was doing papers all the time and things like that. When I got yeah. out of college and I had a little bit more freedom to be myself, I actually went totally on the other side of the last one and I'm an INFP and I've stayed that for a decade now and it's far more fitting, but I think um, it kind of plays with that. Is your personality nature or nurture? You know, are you born with that personality or is that personality one that your environment and the shifting of your environment? And I think that's where with Loki's evolution, he starts off Mobius. All of them are his enemies. Right. Mm-hmm. And at the end, they leave friends. So that kind of strikes the idea. And I think putting that. I'm for still the listener, up thinking about that ending. Oh, my goodness. Oh, right. But I think asking the listener, what do you think? Do you think your personality is one that you were born with it and it stays? Or do yeah. you think your environment has plays an impact in a role that you will change depending upon what kind of environment you're in? Mm hmm like I was talking about deep inside himself and there's still so much uh, to unpack here. We're probably going to run out of time. We'll have to do a full episode on this, but I believe truly that he becomes maybe not to a T, but he becomes more like by the end of season two, an ENFJ, which they call a protagonist, whether it's um, a or T, I don't know which which one assertive or turbulent. You, You could tell me more on that, but I think he's more of an ENFJ by the end of it. Because he really has this deep sense of doing the right thing for the right people for the right purpose. Again, that glorious purpose, not the same purpose that he came into the show with. 
Yeah. I would say, though, I still think he's a little introverted. I, I think he knows his people, he likes his people, and he doesn't want to necessarily step out of that. So I don't know if he would... I mean, that's just my two cents. I don't know if he goes all the way to extrovert, yeah. but I think he might toe the line a little bit. But I think, in my my humble opinion, I think it really has to do with the nature of what he was surrounded by. You know, you because we're thinking about, too, with the Tesseract, when he steals at the very beginning... Basically, Asengard was where he had been spending all of his time, and that was his environment. Yeah. So, it's cool. Well, I am looking for our uh, good friend, David Overholt, in the waiting room. I do not see him, so we can just keep uh, spitballing about this a little bit. Yeah, I just find this so fascinating, Callie, because you even find out things about yourself that you didn't necessarily even think about, and you go and you read in the detail about what like a particular personality type has from friendships to romantic relationships to all these different other avenues and you start thinking you know what i am like that it's kind of crazy it really is and i i you know like you said with looking at the relationship aspects so kind of diagnosing if you will what the other person might be be it a friend be a romantic partner and then looking at it kind of extreme empathy where you're looking at how they are interacting with you by stepping into their shoes from a personality standpoint, I think you can learn how to speak the other person's language a little bit more. And I think that goes deeper than just love languages. You're really learning how that person speaks from a personality level, which is beyond our Loki thing. But, you know, I think looking at that is, it's a neat, it's a neat uh, science, really. It really is. And there's a lot that goes into it. And again, if people want to check it out, uh, I'm going to go ahead and give out the website right now. And we'll link it also in the description because it's just that cool. 16personalities.com. 16personalities.com. It's a free test. You can go there. Answer authentically. Don't just try and breeze through it. It'll probably take you about 25 minutes if you really sit there and think about it. Give about a minute a question. And you'll find out that you'll be completely amazed and you can sign up for other features that do cost money, uh, which I might do down the road. Cause I I'm kind of getting into this as much as you are Callie and you can buy books and it can get really cumbersome, like in a good way. I still have my old textbook from college. Do you really? It, but it has the, it's a uh, gosh, I think it was 180 questions for it. And you have to, you have to mark it with your pencil and then you go. I promise to mark it if you send it to me and then I'll send it back to you. (laughs) Okay. I'll I'll have to dig it up somewhere. It's, it's in some box somewhere, but it was, that was like the old school, like the, the original one. I think um, it was a mother and daughter. She, they invented the test. I think it was in the late fifties. Yeah. And uh, it was Myers and Briggs. That's where that comes from. Well, what's funny is you knew when you told me about it, I was intrigued and you knew what I was going to come out as before I even took the test because that's how much you got into this. Yeah. I, well, you know, I, I find it fascinating. I'm kind of a, quite a wallflower, honestly. So I do a lot of observing of other Hence people. Hence the book. Hence, Hence the book. The book. Yeah. And, uh, well, right, but you know. Um, and so I, I enjoy looking at other people and seeing, okay, I think I would classify them as this. And usually I'm pretty spot on. I might be off by like one letter. That's usually like, but it's like, if you looked at the percentage points, it wouldn't be like astronomically bad. So double check here. No, it's not David. It's just spam on my email. Anyhow, we're right here on the Green Jet Ski Podcast. We're going to get to some other topics right now. I think we will continue this discussion, Callie, but just in case David does come in here 
as we're discussing, I kind of want to already be on the agenda at hand. So we can keep talking about this, maybe break down some of the other characters. But I think, again, it is interesting to see that the character of Loki can be one way in the beginning and maybe not completely a different personality type, even though I do think he's more of a protagonist. My wife says, why do you keep trying to bring the characters that you love and make them like yourself? I'm like, I don't know. It's I, I Maybe I see what I want to see. Uh, but I think you can get different traits of different personality types as you go through life and relate to different people. Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, and it's you have that heart connection with that character. And so you want to relate to them as much as possible. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I don't think that's a flaw. I think it's more um, you find a kindred spirit mm -hmm. with the character. And part of being a kindred spirit is you want one that is interlocking with your own. Um, so I agree. Well, the first thing we were going to talk about with David Overholt, by the way, I'm going to just plug his channel right now because I'm a nice guy. David, you're late to the show. Uh, go to Vader Reviews. He's the director of Vader Reviews on YouTube and Obro Studio. And they have created a Star Wars fan film that has now over 100,000 views, Callie. It's quite impressive. And uh, I was in the film for about 10 the 30 seconds as a stormtrooper it was quite amazing loved it and they also have a brand new film they're working on an original piece called avenger of blood it's a swashbuckling also monster movie teaser trailer is up on the website check that out but with all that said did you watch the rebel moon trailer kelly what did you think Oh my gosh, I loved it. Well, I enjoyed seeing just even the all-star cast that they have. I mean, Michael right. uh, Oisman or Husman, mm -hmm. uh, he's great. He's one of my favorite actors, actually. And so I enjoyed seeing him more of in an action role because I've seen him more in um, kind of period dramas. Like he was in Guernsey, he was in the Age of Adeline. Um, so I enjoyed seeing that just from the all-star cast, just from the get-go. But it also just... Um, I don't know if you've read any Brandon Sanderson books. I have not. Okay. He's one of the most prolific writers for fantasy that I think of our generation. Um, but he writes uh, one called Mistborn in particular. And it's kind of that idea of that dystopian uh, kind of world, but not quite a Hunger Games-esque, more a, uh, they have some sort of, power about them that is mm. mystifying that is unique and when i saw that i just i really felt like i was seeing a sanderson book series brought to life and i got excited about it because i think it's a, a new realm of fantasy for us uh to enjoy in this generation and it's it's a new story to be told i think a lot of the ones that we have seen it they almost look like carbon copies are overdone of other fantasies from decades past but this really looked original and new what did you think i loved it by the way just got an email from a uh, mr overholt he'll be joining us shortly so he's uh struggling with a scratchy throat going to grab himself a cup of tea and he will be joining us for a few minutes here on the show i loved it i i, I cannot believe one of my favorite directors zach snyder was turned down by Lucasfilm and Disney to make this into an actual Star Wars movie. I mean, in one aspect, Callie, I'm sad because this is what Disney needs to do to take Star Wars back on track to the next level. It really is. I'm also excited that Zach gets to do his own thing with his own IP outside of an already existing universe and build 
his own, his own universe, which is really exciting. He's got Anthony Hopkins, Sir Anthony Hopkins is going to be in this, which I am like, that's right. His biggest fan. I'm geeking out heavily. And then also one of my favorite uh, composers, Tom Hulkenberg is going to be doing the music also known as junkie XL. This thing is going to be beautiful in so many different ways. I think it's great. And I like too, that it is on Netflix and that, um, they've got the money and, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't fund more because Netflix does seem pretty keen to do sequels and to do series and to, um, get them out pretty fast, you know, with still, I would, I would say still same quality. I mean, I think any of the sequels I've seen on Netflix, there have been very few that I felt like were, uh, you know, kind of dumb. The only thing I would say, Callie, that Netflix doesn't do well, it's always been my biggest problem with them. Great movies, a lot of great quality movies and series. I have a good friend that works over there, uh, or at least did until this year. I don't know if he's being renewed or not. Uh, Mark Anthony Austin, love you. But they don't do great promotion for their products. So sometimes you don't even know they exist. So I think Rebel Moon is going to be different because this is going to be a major blockbuster, I believe, in a lot of ways. So I hopefully I, I'm hoping that they get a lot of the marketing right and that this thing just takes the box office by storm. You know, I think a lot of their marketing, unfortunately, becomes word of mouth. Um, it's true. Because, it's, well, it's I mean, true. look at Tiger King. If it hadn't been for the pandemic and when that came out um, and everybody talking about it, I don't think Tiger King would have been more than a, would have been Interesting a flash in the documentary. Pan. Yeah, it would have been a flash in the pan. Yeah. So I think really word of mouth is kind of their thing. And then, but then you find these random hidden gems. I agree with that. Um, I think one of the most travesties with Netflix was uh Hitchcock's Rebecca. They redid that uh in 2020. It was fantastic. I think Hitchcock himself would have liked it a lot. It was amazing i mean it's based off the book from the 1930s but i watch it frequently but i didn't even watch it until 2021 because i hadn't heard wow. about it at yeah. all and i had an all-star cast too well this is coming out i didn't realize it was going to be out this soon now i'm tremendously excited and i'm going to put something out there to you i know you're very busy as am i but you're really busy it comes out next friday in the united states would you go see it next Friday night? I will go see it next Friday night. And then the following week, even if it's a short one, we got to do a review on this. And I know we'll probably have to. There'll be an embargo. and We can't give spoilers, but I'd like to do a non-spoiler discussion with you because I'm super excited. Is that when Rebel Moon comes out? Yes. Looking at it right oh, okay. now. Oh, yeah. I could do that. I have like that. I can, I can watch that from my house. So... <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. No, I did have Movie Pass. I was thinking the other day, did you ever have Movie Pass back in? 20- no. By the time I got around to thinking about it, they were in all kinds of hot water, and I'm like, I'm not going down that road. I saw 35 movies in one month once. That's a beautiful thing. It was a great time to be alive. The only reason I uh, so Movie Pass was cheap, and I probably would have done it if it it had Ten stayed bucks. stayed yeah if it had stayed clean. They have similar programs now through AMC and Regal, but they're a lot more pricey. Racket. I would do it, except for the fact there's some months there's nothing out, and so it might be kind of a waste of money because you go three months with maybe seeing one movie because there's literally nothing out. That's kind of where I've been on it as well, because I Movie Pass I grossly abused, but it was also in the era when they you actually had a lot of really great quality films coming out, and then even ones that kind of sucked. But I got to see it for 
it didn't cost me anything, so I enjoyed it, and I got regal points every time I went. So I got yeah. free snacks all the time too. But that's great. It was, <laughs> it was nice. <laughs> I'm really excited about this movie. It is going to be, and again, you and I were talking about Star Wars last time. Mandalorian was great. That's probably the greatest Star Wars product they Lucasfilm has put out since Disney has taken over. I mean, I loved Rogue One. I loved Solo. But I mean, I thought Mandalorian was spot on in every way. And then season three, just I was like, what are you guys doing? So they obviously need to make some more more momentum. And I think Rebel Moon and turning that down, that was the wrong decision. Really was. Oh, I fully agree. But, you know, I like you said, I'm excited to see the universe building. It's a lot more than world building. It's universe. Oh, it is. He has so much more freedom because he's not under the, you know, have to get approval from Mickey Mouse himself. So I like it. Gosh, everybody. You know, one thing I will say, though, I follow Zack Snyder's work closely because I think he's one of the best directors out there. I was tremendously disappointed because I thought DC Comics was making some serious strides at competing with Marvel because Marvel has been missing the mark up until Loki and DC was putting out some quality stuff. Then they decided DC, the the heads there, and there was a merger and everything, but they said, we're not going to use Zack Snyder anymore. We're not going to complete his Snyderverse, so to speak. And I was just like, oh gosh, that's just a missed opportunity. But then there's been talk, well, is he going to maybe bring it to Netflix, somehow bring part of it to Netflix? Is he, is he able to do that? And that's been, you hear conflicting rumors. I think about it like this. If Rebel Moon has a big success, and I think it will, I think Zach might say, you know what? I get with DC, I get certain rights to do it in a certain place at a certain time. I can still see the Snyderverse being completed with Henry Cavill and his Superman and that whole... Oh my gosh, those were incredible. Uh, I, I, Man of Steel 2 needs to... Ha- it needs to happen. I uh, fully agree. When I, I mean, I saw that one in the theater and I still to this day... I mean, the quality of it, the storyline, the action, just everything. I have no earthly idea why there has not been a sequel yet. Because it was phenomenal. It's still my second favorite Superman movie, but I will say it is the most unique in a good way, version of Superman that has ever been created. It really dives deep into the depths of, again, the authentic self of what makes Superman Superman. Yeah, exactly. Which one's your favorite? Oh, this is so controversial. And a lot of people, we can get into a whole episode about this. My favorite Superman is Superman Returns. Okay. Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey is Lex Luthor. Say what you will. I mean, I know he's no Gene Hackman. Uh, I thought Brandon Ralph and I stand by this to date is the greatest Clark Kent slash Superman that has come to screen. Okay. I was just curious. I mean, I grew up on the Christopher Reeves ones. So and Christopher Reeves is great. He's the OG, but there was something about, and I thought they did a nice job at making him a lot like the Christopher Reeve version of Superman. I would agree with that. Yeah. Cause those were the ones growing up that we watched on repeat. I almost feel like in a way, not totally, but I almost feel like they did a, did an homage to Christopher. I can see that. Yeah. In, in the style. Yeah. But I loved it. I loved the story. Um, it, everything about that movie. So it would be Superman returns. And then a very close second would be man of steel. Yeah, I really enjoyed Man of Steel. I'm excited to see, too, now that, hooray, the writer's strike is over, the acting strike is over, what we're going to see being birthed from all of that. Because in a lot of ways, I have um, people close to me who work 
uh, for some of those casting things and they were stressed, but they had all this time off. And so she was explaining to me how a lot of times with actors, this is their vacation time and for them to refuel and to rest, oddly enough, when they're on strike, because otherwise they're just working, working, working. So I think we're going to see some more quality um, come about in just the writing of things and then, you know, of course, the acting. So I'm excited to see what's birthed by that probably here in the next, you know, year and a half or so. Yeah, there's been a lull and that's definitely it's definitely going to pick up now. And, you know, thank goodness they were able to come to some sort of an agreement. What I am really excited about, because I don't know, maybe you do. I know a hang up point was the whole AI thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't and I don't know what your view is on AI, but I don't think that actors should be able to, okay, we were filmed and recorded and now in perpetuity, we can have our image used in, in future projects. I know I think that was part of the whole thing too. I hope that was worked out because that's just scary stuff. It's a it's a bit of an identity theft because some of those oh, it is. that you can do now, I have to say, my only asterisk to that was it was very neat in seeing Carrie Fisher. And some of the work that they did for the Star Wars movies and mm-hmm. doing some AI with her. But that was also post her passing away. And it was done in a very... It was very tasteful. Honoring, tasteful way. So I think that would be my only time that I would say, little asterisk, I think it's okay with this. But, I mean, at the same time, I'm like, you know, she wasn't there to actually give permission. And so... It's a slippery slope, has- isn't it? It is a slippery slope, but I think it's um for living actors, I think it's incredibly dangerous. It's you know, I I think it is it's not just taking away or stealing art, it's it's really that identity theft. And it's it's stealing a face, it's stealing a voice, it's yeah, well, I'll have to get more into that and see like maybe what they worked out. But I really hope that they maybe put some safeguards on that that said, okay, you can do it, but you can do it only if and when ABC. Yeah. I do think we're going to see uh, almost an AI revolution, though, and I think a lot of things are going to be figured out between chat, GBT, and AI, and I actually think it's going to go in the favor of artists actually having original work. But. I'm watching I'm watching The Matrix last night, I'm like, oh, gosh, we better be careful. I don't want to be living in this. Wake <laughs> if I already am, wake me up. Unplug me. I mean, to be fair. Well, you know, but I was thinking about this, too. I mean, even just as an author. Um, the idea of, well, ChatGPT could write books. Couldn't they write something encouraging? And I thought, well, not necessarily. You know, it can write things and contemplate maybe what other people would say, but there's not an originality with it. It's not going to look at the ever-progressing things that we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And That's I true. think there is that human, there was a GE commercial, this was like 20 years ago, but they talked about the human element, right? And for some reason, that just became a very core thing in me. And I thought, you know, we mm-hmm. so often forget about that. And for now, for the commercial, it was talking about how like they try to keep the human element in the technology. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, that human element is very necessary in order for there to be good art. So, 100%. You're at the Green Jet Ski Podcast. That's right. We're green. We're riding jet skis. Well, not really, but it would be nice right now. It's very nice. How, how's the weather out there? It's very... Sunny, it's about 70 degrees here as we record this in San Diego. I could go ride a jet ski right now. It is uh, 45, but sunny in Richmond, so, Virginia right now. So it's not, I, it's not jet ski weather. Well, it depends on, you know, I used to live in the Midwest. So I uh, was out for about 20 minutes today wearing just a, a skirt that's above the knee. And someone was like, aren't you freezing? And I was, no, I'm okay. So 
Yeah, maybe just put on like a wet soup top. You'll be fine. You know, exactly. Uh, Now, do we release the big news before we dive into the next part of the discussion? There's going to be a major guest here on this show that I just am over the moon about. What do you think? She's shaking her head. I I think we'll announce it with him here. So, yeah, let's not. uh, uh, You're saying do do it now? Announce it now or no? Or wait? We'll wait for him, I think. Oh, okay. So there's going to be a major guest just to let you know on next week's show. I've been provided with a great opportunity. Gosh, I want to just spill it out of the bag right now, but I think we're going to keep you in suspense. Just know if you like theater, if you like Broadway, uh, I can't say more than that. You're going to love the next guest we have on this show. It, it's something that I, I connected with somebody on Instagram, got a response I didn't expect, super gracious actor. And then I'm like, okay, that's that's as far as it'll go. I, you know, m- maybe down the road I'll interview him. Now it's happening next Friday. Stay tuned. That's all I can say about that. Uh, David, I don't think David is joining us. Maybe he drank the tea and fell asleep because I'm just not seeing him here in the waiting room. David, we're going to plug your stuff anyway. I love you, buddy. And we'll uh, definitely get you back on the show. Oh, oh no, that's the 10-minute warning message, not David, unfortunately. Well, then let's share your exciting news of who you have on next week. So I will not be here next week, but I will certainly be listening. uh, Oh, I see. No, I see what what you're saying. You didn't want me to say it in case David was coming on, right? Uh, Oh. I can let it out of the bag then. I'm super excited. No, you can let it out of the bag. I was trying to be honoring if we wanted to share it with him here. And Yeah. Well, David, I love you, buddy. At Vader Reviews on YouTube. Check him out. At Vader Reviews. He's the director, David Overholt. So next week on the show. I'm a big fan of Broadway. I'm a huge fan of theater, as are you, Callie. I connected with Nick Cartel. Tremendous actor. Stage actor on instagram i had just saw his performance the touring show of les miserables the one of the greatest sh- i think it's the greatest show ever story possibly ever saw it here in san diego civic theater the man has a voice of an angel i mean he hits notes that i would say shouldn't be humanly possible he almost sings in the exact same tone not key tone as some of the musical instruments being played and it just, oh my goodness. So my wife and I went to go see him again. They toured up the coast of California and then came back down to Palm Desert. And I said, hey, wife, can we go to Palm Desert, please, and see Nick uh, perform Jean Valjean again? One of the greatest protagonists ever. Oh, true. And, and uh, she said, oh, most definitely. So we went, we saw Nick blew it out of the water again. And I just said, okay. He's busy. I was going to wait for him to give me the press information. But I'm just going to go ahead and it's on his website. I'll blast an email off. I won't hear back for a while. Now I heard back the next day. And uh, Nick's coming on next Friday. I'm so excited. Next Friday at 1 p.m. I'm just over the moon about this. I, uh, I'm going to be asking. He's on for a half an hour, which is a lot of time for a very busy actor. So I'm going to be asking questions and i'm going to be getting my wife is has a theater background getting questions from her callie if you have any questions feel free to shoot me a couple but i am just really excited that one of the actors i have a lot of respect for is going to be making a humble appearance on a very small podcast which is is going to grow but it's still very small and that's just kind of a humbling thing mm-hmm I, I'm over the moon about it. Well, and that's I I agree with you. I think that is one of the 
most spectacular stories. I mean, just even beyond theater, beyond Broadway, I think looking at that story and the dynamic pieces of it and the character development of it and everything. And I well, am very well. Let's, here's what we're going to do. I'm making an executive jet ski podcast decision. I really want to get into uh, David, you're in trouble. I really want to get into James Bond with David and and yourself. So we're, let's table the James Bond stuff and let's focus on for the last five minutes. Les Miserables. Yeah. Now, now tell me what you were going to tell me about that story and I'll react when you're done. Well, so I've seen it. I actually went, gosh, I think it was a London's London one that was broadcast in the theaters from one of the Phantom events. I believe it was in 2009, 2010 that they did that. And I bought the CD and everything. I've seen it on Broadway once and then a local theater several times whenever yeah. it comes. I just, well, I'm always blown away and just brought to tears at the story progression, but not just for John Valjean, but for each individual person. I mean, even Cassette, you know, looking at where mm -hmm. this poor orphan child, basically destitute, then she's adopted. And then, you know, kind of her trying to figure out her identity and all these different things. And um, I just, I love every character's development, but I love how it does have in this very strange cathartic way, a semi-happy ending because you have the chorus of people singing in heaven. And so the ending isn't happy ending here on earth. I will tell you this. I had a, I love that. I had a really in-depth discussion with the wife right after we saw it. And I said, you know, in the times in which we live, I mean, there's a lot of turmoil going on, a lot of pushback if you don't agree with somebody's philosophy, religion, et cetera. To have a show, I'm curious your answer, because hers was was logical. To have a show that is so heavily, not preachy, but so heavily God-based, where God is literally woven into several key moments of the show. And having literally tear down the house everywhere it goes, decades later, it is still selling out. People love the story. They love the characters. That blows me away. I mean, it gives me hope that, you know what? People say that, you know, we're on the decline. and We are. But as long as you can get messages like the story of Les Miserables out there, it gives me hope that, you know, maybe people aren't completely turning their back on the Lord. I think it shows an authenticity of God and that question of where is God even in. And it shows some of the most heinous, awful things that a human being could go through. Mm. You know, you look at that and that, you know, a young woman is left by the person who promised to love her. She's got a daughter, their daughter, and she has to turn to desperation and the profession that she takes on and dies from it. And you would look at that and say, well, where is God in that? But then you see this redemptive arc where, you know, she, her child is cared for and that's what she wanted. And you see all these different things. And then you see her at the very end and she is made whole again. And she is, it made new and she is not in pain and she is not in agony and you see her with God. And so I think the it gives that authentic view in a fallen world, whereas God, I think it shows that. And I think it weaves the idea of hope beyond our present circumstances. And we get very caught up in all that is now. And I think that's where people are tempted to turn their backs on God. But it's like, you know, this is but a breath. 
So oh, it's a twinkle. The show does that. It's yeah, it's the twinkling of an eye. What I love, one of my favorite parts about the show, Callie, and specifically the character of Jean Valjean, and I do believe I got into a debate also that uh, he's the only main character. I think Javert. It could be debated. I think Javert and him are equally main characters. Uh, maybe Javert isn't in it every aspect of the story quite as much, but I really feel it's the yin and the yang, and mm-hmm. they neither is the bad guy. But their stories and their personalities are interwoven and you can't have one without the other. Oh, truly. Yeah. But what I love about the story so much is Jean Valjean, especially when he makes the promise that he's going to take care of Cosette, he will make sure Cosette is is cared for. He does whatever it takes to make sure that promise is never broken. Yeah. Even though he says numerous times he's going to give himself over to to Javert, in his heart he knows he cannot do that because if he does that, he's going to break the bigger promise, which in his mind is taking care of the one that he swore he would take care of. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, Uh, it's it's a it's such a beautiful story. I'm very excited to uh, also get just. I can't imagine playing one of those characters and just the relationship he must have with Jean Valjean himself as an actor. One thing I'm going to ask him too, we got two minutes left. But one thing I'm going to ask him and then I'll, I'll let you close out the show, Callie, uh, tell people where they can find us, et cetera, social media um, is that I would like to know, because I know there's some, like my wife would play characters that were completely opposite of her personality. Like that's, that, that's how she had fun in theater. But when you take a major character like Jean Valjean, was there something within that character that Nick said, you know what, that's like me. And so I'd like to be able to play that because I see a little bit of me in him back to like to the whole like me, me and Loki, maybe not totally, but there are aspects of ourselves that we see in characters in literature and in plays that we're like. So when you are an actor and you have that opportunity to play him. Maybe you take that chance, or maybe he's completely different from him. I don't know. I think it'll be great to ask. Well, thank you all for joining us today on the Green Jet Ski Podcast. Uh, It was wonderful to have you guys. Please connect with us. You can find us on socials. We are going to be making a Twitter for this. Um, You can connect with me and send me show notes as well. uh, C-A-L-L-Y, Logan, uh, across all platforms. And we love getting input. We love hearing feedback. So tell us something that you, an angle of something that maybe you thought of that we could bring to the show or something that you would like to hear because we are all about stories. All about stories. We are the podcast of stories right here on the Green Jet Ski Podcast. Callie, I will see you next time here on the show. 